Molly, welcome. Welcome, John. welcome. Thank you. It's... To another Papa's Basement podcast. I'm, uh, I'm John Papa Giorgio, and I'm joined by Molly Heckerling. And uh, it's going to be this for a very long time, Molly, because Eva's having her second kid, I think, Wednesday. So Ooh, she will have a day. Having to yourself about when will I ever hear from Eva again? When, uh, either when the kid turns five or when she literally feels like on the verge of murdering her family and just has to get out <laughs> to prevent the bloodshed. Yes. Yeah. Okay. She's either going to go full-blown Medea or she needs to pod and her family members will just accept that this is a grace they need to give her. You leave Tyler Perry out. (laughs) (laughs) Now there's a Tyler Perry Medea movie we never saw. Medea drowns her children. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a lord. (laughs) I'm chained to this rock and every day my liver's eating. (laughs) Just Medea doing all the Greek myth. Oh, God. Uh, How fun that would be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been a while for both of us. I I feel we've both just been eating a lot of life's shit for various reasons, uh, you know, and just, just booked up. I, we're trying to make a, a habit of recording. I think we decided Wednesday. Wednesday, yes. We're going we're gonna to um, try to record Wednesdays. Or as I still yes. refer to it, Unsolved Mystery Day. <laughs> I like to refer to it as Unsolved Hump Day. <laughs> <laughs> because everything in my life circles back to what I watched at age nine. So Wednesday <laughs> is Unsolved Mystery Day. Tuesday mm-hmm. is the Rescue 911 Day. <laughs> and Fridays, I'm still pretending Urkel exists. Of course, yeah. And not even uh, tentpole 8 p.m. Urkel. We're talking <laughs> spinoff Urkel fucking when he was just on Perfect Strangers, right? Or the family was from Perfect Strangers. Were they? I believe, I believe that the Winslows were originally a Perfect Strangers thing that spun out from that. I had no idea that that was like they're all in the family but the Jeffersons offshoot was fucking yes. perfect strangers. <laughs> oh like my I, God. Thinking of Balky and Urkel in the same room together is just Oops. way too much shtick. It's like there's not enough scenery in this town for both of us to chew. It's... <laughs> You know, I really did try to watch one episode of Perfect Strangers well after the fact, because I never watched it as a kid, Mm. and I fired it up maybe a year ago on Hulu, because I think I saw Beverly Hills Cop 1, and yeah, Bronson Pinchot has, like, this amazing small role as, like, you know, uh, know, indescribably foreign guy like what nation is he from i don't know something fucking weird is he gay we don't know he's just something fucking weird you know it's like that kind of 80s character. just thoroughly ambiguous every way you slice him yeah and he fucking steals the show from eddie murphy for those couple of shared minutes and that's not an easy goddamn thing to pull off i really can't think of a time that's happened with eddie murphy and i was like all right fuck it you know what time to broaden the uh the flavors of my cultural palette and fire this thing up. And it was so fucking terrible. It was literally just <laughs> the two of them. And then the, just one of those actors who's eternally 
bald and fat. So I guess from age 28 to 60, he was playing like 45 to 50 year olds. I, he played uh, Stacy Carosi's dad in that one weird chunk of Saved by the Bell where they all had summer jobs. <laughs> Do you, did you watch Saved by the Bell at all or no? I didn't, but I really loved Perfect Strangers at the time. Like, I was a, and it makes sense because, like, I'm sure it totally doesn't hold up at age 40, but, yeah. like, at nine years old, you're like, this is the height of comedy. I've and never not, seen these tired honeymooners tropes before. <laughs> I'm not saying um, it didn't and, hit its stride eventually, but just legit season one, episode one, it is these fucking tired ass one-liners that are like being wound up like a pitcher in a Bugs Bunny cartoon you know just like the arm windmilling for a while and you're like oh my god just cut it out I don't know what <laughs> I'm gonna just talk to you this <laughs> and if you laugh it's your own fault <laughs> oh the hell um, but uh no I um it was funny because it's like yeah it's Bronson Pinchot doing his best Latka Gravis you know yes. like sort of just ethnically ambiguous person from fictitious Greek place or whatever Mm-hmm. And uh, Mark Lynn Baker, uh, who's his like cousin, and yes. um, they are both inexplicably dating these two gorgeous statuesque women that look like Barbie dolls for no reason. And um, well, it I sounds like it. it's because they don't have nipples or vaginas. That's why <laughs> yeah. they came a little higher. <laughs> there you go. They were seven feet tall and weighed ninety pounds, <laughs> and they weren't real women. <laughs> Um, and didn't have uh, separated toes either. Yes. Kind of a little <laughs> But I had the biggest crush on Bronson Pinchot as a kid. And it was because I was so in love with Balky Bartokamus that my mom was like, oh, let's meet him. And then I immediately was disenchanted because I was like, you're not Balky. And then my mom and Bronson started dating for life. <laughs> yes. attracted to like you start getting into some weird like female edible shit but also it's like Bronson is very much not like the characters he plays at all he's actually very like uh, you know he's the guy you go to a museum with and he gives you an hour long lecture about all the history because he's incredibly bright but he's also very like sensitive and he's not like big and broad like Balky at all like nine year old porn museum in Vegas yeah exactly so this is a uh, Lisa Ann's first page. <laughs> oh God, that would be like I find like my dad is gone, and I find the mall Santa, and I realize he's not Santa. But then my mom just starts fucking Ralph, the guy. Who yeah. the <laughs> and you hate Ralph. You wanted Santa. <laughs> yeah, I'm like Ralph has zero. <laughs> and Ralph didn't really want all these fucking kids around making all that damn noise. <laughs> Uh, he's a good guy, though. He's uh, he was he was not Chris Kattan, so he was a good guy. I, uh, <laughs> you know, what's very weird. Also, uh, did you ever watch The Leftovers on HBO? I watched like one episode, and I'm like, okay, I get it. They were leftover. Yeah. So <laughs> in the Leftovers universe, who whoever the fuck isn't Balky plays himself. Mark Lee Baker. The, yeah, Baker, and the yeah. rest of the cast. 
uh, has disappeared. And so he becomes like some sort of religious fanatic mm-hmm. <laughs> because he's like, why was I chosen out of all the perfect strangers? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly I was the lesser stranger, yet I was chosen. Um, he's yeah. like, Pincho gone, me <laughs> still here. Bronson actually like Bronson is a lovely person and very sweet and very sensitive and I think that Mark Lynn Baker was kind of like not as sweet as Bronson so there was sort of like a, not like a Simon and Garfunkel vibe but like <laughs> just there was a reason why we went so long without a perfect strangers reunion I feel like well okay look I think just from what I've seen of Bronson, the, the two of them in front of a camera. <laughs> yeah. One of these guys seems like, and you kind of confirm this, like intelligent and can like get his own thing going in life. And the other guy just had a vibe of like, I don't know how this happened to me, but please, <laughs> while it's still going on, never stop the shipments of coke and stuff. <laughs> yes, Bronson was like, I went to Yale, I studied acting, like I am imbuing this character with my full body. And Mark Lynn Baker is just sort of like, I'm a dude that has like shoulder length curly hair in the 90s. Like, please don't let this era end for me. Yeah, okay. Um, what was that brand of hairstyle for dudes for like a hot minute in the like in the 80s and 90s? It was like the it was, was like the white dude Asian Jerry Jerry curl. curl. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god. Just it was awful. That. completely Jerry Seinfeld rock. It it blurred into mullet to some mm-hmm. degree. It uh yeah, it was not There's just so much becoming. going on. No. Yeah. I just there there are Nothing really makes you look like the body styles weren't wickedly different. Although I guess, again, like Caucasian women didn't have asses back then. And now that's kind of like what we're celebrating. They prided themselves on not having asses. For years, it was like, is my ass too big? Is it too big? Is it too big? And then all of a sudden the pendulum swung and everyone's like, oh, fuck, it's not big enough. Oh, yeah. I'm waiting for big noses to come back. When big noses come in, I'm going to be a fucking queen. (laughs) Again, the the coke has to return. (laughs) Yes. You who can consume the most of it will be cheered (laughs) at frat houses the country over. Uh, Or they'll Uh, hang me for doing it all in one sniff. Yeah, they'll be like, "Uh, that was to last the night. So I do remember it was some god mid nineties movie, and it might have been like Beautiful Girls or some shit. I definitely didn't Beautiful watch the whole Girls. <laughs> remember, like a little snippet with Rosie O'Donnell, that that temptress. So ironically she... named Beautiful Girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> much like Mr. Baker, she somehow snuck in there and was like, I don't know why the fuck I'm here. Uh, so she was lecturing, uh, maybe Ed Burns. I feel I'm merging like four <laughs> movies together in my mind. The other sister, maybe, which, which is the one where she plays a simpleton. But, uh, yeah, she was like, you know, you guys that love the big boobs, but you're not happy that it comes with a big butt. And then you get a woman who has the small butt, but sadly, she also has the small boobs. And I'm like, ah, can we get back to the bitch with the D-cups and the dumb jokes, please? 
But uh, yeah, and that was like just widely accepted. Like, what was ideal was a fat pair of jugs and just yeah, uh, an ass like a IHOP pancake, <laughs> like an IHOP crepe, just yeah, so thin you could see through it. Flat and leaking cottage cheese. <laughs> yeah. Ah oh, man, yeah, it was a very special time. Um, so yeah. I am. Yeah. I'm so glad we could skip down this memory lane together. Much uh, like Bronson Pinchot and Mark Lynn Baker in the title sequence of Perfect Strangers. Oh, He's like wearing a tuxedo with shorts. They really just tried to like boy him up as much as they could to be like, look at this goofy foreigner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, despite coming from a country with no television and therefore everyone's <laughs> fucking by age eight. No, <laughs> just a. Uh, a virginal creature descending from the mountain. <laughs> yeah. And he never fucked his goats, either. <laughs> never, not a one. Not even Sylvia. <laughs> oh, did he have a choice Sorry. goat? No, that was a deep cut Edward Albee joke for all the oh, yeah. <laughs> literati oh. out there listening to this <laughs> podcast. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I've just, I've been... <sighs> Very slam. I mean, you've had a lot of real world things too. I I love how you're like, oh, we've both just been so busy to pod with like bullshit. It's like, yeah, I've been having seizures and you're in a loving relationship. I've been, yeah, I've been doing doing date crap. I've been eaten alive by two different video games and I'm taking (laughs) drama classes. so that's what that I sounds got. worse than that all sounds worse than seizures. <laughs> the video games are. I mean, the video games are. I I have just concluded these things are fucking digital drugs, and there's yeah. nothing more to it. Like it's heroin with pixels. It really is. It's um. So I'm a Nintendo guy, and the the new Zelda came out, and I think I started playing it maybe a week after it came out. Mm. Uh, so that was like pretty much two months ago like almost to the uh, yeah like may 21st or some shit and when i told you the play time i had put into it uh, <laughs> you were like oh cool so you're just working a full-time job now <laughs> and I, With overtime. I, you're going into golden time uh-huh. <laughs> and someone else used those exact words as well because i want to say again i probably started playing this may 21st and I actually hung it up a couple days ago, having not beaten it, because it just felt that much like a job, where it was like, mm-hmm. okay, but discover more hidden shit. And I was at, I think, 190 hours. Wow. In like a month and a half. And I was just like, what I could have done with this. And it's not, I'm just like imagining the intervention theme song over like shots of you bathed in the blue light of the Zelda game. Like, yeah. Jarvis uh, fused to the bed. I don't know what to do. Well, if <laughs> Stop you, playing Zelda. The, the biggest act of intimacy to take place in my relationship in the past month plus is I just started... Uh, I stopped being completely resentful at my girlfriend because she stood between me and Zelda. And I started taking my Switch with me everywhere like an ADHD toddler. And just being like, yeah, I know we're watching this movie as a couple, but I'm playing Zelda the entire fucking time during it. And are we spending the night together? Because get the fuck to bed so I can play the Switch in bed (laughs) for two more hours. It was horrible. I mean... 
that sounds like Jason throughout the course of our entire relationship. It's just always been a different, like the game changes, but the, the vibe is still the same where it's like, well, this week he's a, this month he's a rolling boulder going downhill or this month he's in Simpsons premium or, you know, now it's a PBZ yeah. and now it's asshole goose or whatever. There, um, are, there are certain games that just take it to the nth <laughs> degree though. Like, mm -hmm. Like that Zelda being, because if you just crunch the numbers on like <laughs> what you are okay with dedicating in a normal productive life to video gaming. And maybe your answer is like, I don't know, 10 hours a week, right Molly? The like, second you said crunch the numbers, I was like, this is already way too much work. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm already <laughs> fucking Diablo min-maxing talk here. But like, do the math. Fucking, maybe you, you're good with 10 hours a week, a dick and all. And I, I think that's a pretty substantial amount, right? Mm -hmm. Like, already, you're kind of talking this up there. Mm -hmm. um, that's 40 <laughs> hours in a month, and I did close to four times that. Yeah. And uh, then, okay, so let's let's work our way backwards. Let's extrapolate <laughs> further. Uh, if you want to play X amount of games a year, let's say there's like six titles you want to do. And each of them is like 40-ish fucking hours, I guess. Like, you're already veering into, that's like the majority of your video game time getting taken care of. You know what I mean? I guess that's half of what I'm saying. But like 240 hours right there for six 40-hour titles. And right. it's like a game like Zelda that comes down the pike and it's just unrepentantly like, yeah, here's 220 hours right here. It's like, well, God fucking damn. So there's two ways to do it. One, kind of like, I don't know, insert that in throughout the year, two, stay the fuck away from it, or three, do what I did and just pretend, yeah, you're a monkey with a crack pipe and a laptop <laughs> and just fucking you're at it. Um, but I, I uh, just kind of burned out. I think it kind of bodes well for your relationship, though, that your girlfriend's already like a codependent enabler. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, because... You're like, you're coming between me and Zelda and now she's just... Come, like, you've been lobbying for a threesome for some time now and you got it. Yeah, exactly. You, me, and the pixely blonde bitch. Let's do yeah. this. <laughs> I know your poisons Asians, which is great. It makes you a bit of a nerd, too. But, uh, yeah. You get Princess Caucasian instead. Um, yeah. I... God, and that's... That has... You know, you gotta pour X amount of hours into the relationship as well, and I, I don't want that to sound like work, but she's like an actual human being so her idea of fun is taking me out on the fucking potomac river kayaking and Aww. shit like that and you know i try to keep up but like i don't have the the heart conditioning that she has like she's a runner and mm. it's uh same with the uh the other kelly i dated you know past two kelly's i've dated we're both like super fit so when it came to cardio things i would just be like oh, get the fuck ahead of me we're done you know like i'll catch up to you and but it's also like a mentality thing like they like to go out and have like nature adventures and do hiking stuff and like well, the other they seem outdoorsy service to it and she was old, but she was then like yeah but you never seemed interested so instead we would just go to her house and eat ice cream and fucking have unprotected sex and watch <laughs> shitty tv and I'm not saying I don't get to do that with this one, but, like, this one fucking calls me out of my fucking bluff, and I actually have to get out in nature and hike and fucking kayak and stuff. I'm and I'm sorry. not saying it's bad. Yeah. No, <laughs> Let's be real. no we bad. can. I'm really sorry. 
Yeah. Because... Like, I remember some dude who was hitting on me mentioned hiking, and in my mind, I was like, that's a deal breaker. This isn't happening. We are not a match. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know what to say other than I know it's healthy, but it's the equivalent of eating your vegetables, just like it is not being a piece of shit in a relationship. When you are wired for sickness, it's not like the good, you do the good things because overall they keep you afloat Mm -hmm. and you lead a healthier life, but they will never light you up like the unhealthy things do. And that's just the crappy wiring you have to live with. Like my, you know, my current girlfriend, Kelly, who's like very stable, very good person. Uh, I think she's always in her head that she doesn't like excite me the way the ex Kelly did. It's like, well, the mm. ex Kelly was an avoidant piece of shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and now you have crippling low self-esteem, so you only feel validated if someone's treating me like yeah. you don't exist. <laughs> so anyone who's treating me like I'm lower than them, I'm like, oh, thank God, you get it. I am a piece of shit. Right, you know what? I feel like this is an incredible life hack that I've only discovered recently because I was very much like you like the anxious attachment sort of like you know always seeking validation and worrying that like I wasn't enough and then I realized that like the less responsive I was or just sort of like more detached I was like the more people pursued me and I was like this is amazing this is like half the work with twice the results like I could just be a lazy unresponsive piece of shit and you're just gonna project all your things onto me and think I'm awesome like it's it's actually, uh, it's a really great thing if you're if you don't give a shit about the other person. Oh yeah, um, there's nothing you it's can. It's so easy. Like, you're gonna, I mean, you're gonna suck in again the anxious types like you're saying. But yeah, mm-hmm. the instant you stop giving people the time of day, they're like, well, well, wait, let me let me fight for your attention. You don't even necessarily suck in the anxious types because the avoidance love it too. They're like, oh, no pressure. Well, now I'm gonna <laughs> like they yeah. avoidance can be anxious in their own way, which is funny. Yeah, Um, and it's, I just, I feel bad because in my relationship, you know, she kind of thinks like I'm not feeling it or something. And it's like, no, I'm feeling it. It's great. It's just like, you know, I'm also a fat piece of shit at heart. Like what's going to make me happier? Like murdering an entire buffet or eating that salad with grilled chicken on top? (laughs) Like I know which one I have to do, but I also know which one makes my heart race and my dick hard. You're like fucking... (laughs) Looking, I, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like damned if I do. I, it's a fucking story I remember. I don't even know what the fuck I was reading. But uh, it was a, you know, a woman transitioned to a dude. And he was like, you know, uh, back when I kind of didn't know I was trans and I was just like a fucking like butchier looking buffer broad. Like, I really worked a fucking angle there. You know what I mean? Like, fucking chicks couldn't keep their hands off me. Like, I had an edge. Is this you talking about being a fat piece of shit? (laughs) (laughs) Mush has the edge. (laughs) And then then he's like, yeah, once I transitioned and I started doing testosterone, within a couple years, like, I was just, like, a short dude. And then I even lost my (laughs) hair. (laughs) He's like, I can't pull for shit now. (laughs) <laughs> and uh it just kind of reminds me of that like you'd never be like well you shouldn't have transitioned like clearly you're doing what's healthy for you and what like you know you wanted to do but yeah it, there is some eh 
do it all. I don't know. You don't get something for nothing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Healthy sex, uh, but lose your hair, right? Yeah, short dudes have it rough. It they sucks. do. There's they a lot do. of prejudice. There's a lot of prejudice against the shorties. I uh, I was walking around last night with the chica after an improv show I did, and we were in Old Town Alexandria, and there was a blonde knockout walking with a dude several inches taller or shorter than her. Mm. And we both just turned to each other like, oh, and she was immediately like, yeah, but short dudes have it rough. So that's actually pretty cool. And I'm like, yeah. bitch, I'm like struggling for five nine. Like, you don't have to explain it to me. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I get it. We, uh, we can't pull like our fucking six foot and above brethren. That's why I always tell Jason, I'm like, if you were a few inches taller, like you wouldn't even, you'd be 10 times the dick you are now. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I can't even imagine me. At this <laughs> oh, my God. I'd be unconscionable. I'd be walking around wearing a crown. Whipping a sucker around. You'd be the worst. Yeah. Because you'd be still have like, that, like, mommy's boy, I'm the center of the universe. That you'd just be such a dude, bro. You'd probably wear, like, the track shorts and, like, yeah, it'd be awful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd be garbed like the Wiz from Science he would, have, he would have been born with, like, one of those red plastic party cups in I actually, I would have had two forties duct taped to them as an Edward Forty hand. Poor Maria. That's how dude, bro. I would have been. Mommy, wipe me. I can't. Two forty. Oh God. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's just it's healing is not all upside. Like, I, I look at my life now, and don't get me wrong. It's so much fucking better just because how many more years was I going to do being a fucking fat ass, not earning a lot of money, living at home and being alone? And I mean, medically speaking, maybe 10 times. And now I'm like in much better shape and I'm in a good relationship and I've dated before that and I'm making money and uh, I moved out. All these great things. Yeah. But you miss the sickness sometimes. You know, you miss because I'm I'm not funny like I used to be. <laughs> Certainly not because I got confidence. I'm like, oh, I don't have to be laugh a minute to get laid. I'm just kind of like, hey, look, I'm in shape. You want to fuck? Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> the pitfalls of attractiveness. This is why I don't trust pretty people. Um, you shouldn't, yeah. No, but I mean, I don't think, I, I haven't, I certainly haven't noticed a significant drop in your funny stock since any of this has happened. Maybe this is a, a, you know, a false perception on your end and just, you know, the disease trying to protect itself on some level. Cause I'm very much that way too, you know, with medications and stuff where it's like, sure, this levels me out, but I'm not experiencing like the spark of inspiration. I think I should constantly. And at the same time, it's like, no, I'm still able to get shit done. It just might not feel like the dizzying highs and lows that I'm used to and Um, and i want to i want to point to the relationship and uh working all the time as why i'm not doing creative things and i need a producer so they can just rewind the episode 10 minutes or it's like yeah put 190 hours into this (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) that's that's the answer right there it sounds like you're still pretty sick give yourself some credit Thank you. Okay, I must be funny. Oh, yeah. thank God. 
know. <laughs> you still have that pathetic edge. Oh, okay, good. And also, you're, like, taking a billion fucking classes. Like, what do you mean you're not doing anything creative? Because every time I talk to you, you're like, I just came back from a vocal coach, and I just came back from an improv class. I just came back from a show. It's like, yeah, you you might be thinking that there's supposed to be more to it than there is when really you're you're doing it Uh, oh thanks i i will say this i will say this much i had doing an improv show last night one of my favorite comedy moments happen Mm. um the so you farted on stage and it was just I shat myself and the audience stood and applauded like Shia LaBeouf in that little (laughs) gift that we all share. Uh, No, I, it was uh, our final game of the night. We've been closing on this one lately, this improv team called Pick a Line. Audiences love it because we solicit the audience for lines uh, with various prompts and we write them down and we put them like in a bucket. And then at various points in your scene, you reach into the bucket and you have to read one of the lines. And it's just such an easy crowd pleaser because people are like, oh, my God, you, did you hear when he just said uh, you can't handle the truth? That's because I told him to, you know, mm-hmm. but the audience fucking it's so funny. The simple things that please us as people, Molly, yeah. like just like, knowing the, just things. knowing that all these lines are going to come and then hearing them people lose their fucking shit it really it really is that simple so they clap like barking sales yeah (laughs) (laughs) and uh so my chick and her best friend were drunk in the front row having a good time and just kept like screaming out lines and a lot of them made it in because like again she's just in the front row screaming shit out and there was a dude, like, I guess, kind of, like, kind of, I don't know, 50s, 60s, like, hillbilly type. Like, we, we get a weird audience sometimes, and I'm cool with that. But, like, you know, gray beard, wearing his trucker's cap, and he'd been there the whole show without incident. And then, <laughs> and then he we... screams out, fuck the Jews, and you have to figure out how to work it into the <laughs> Look, uh, we're in Virginia. We're working seamlessly with ourselves. Uh, no, I, I felt bad because I guess he shouted out a couple things, but like a lot of people are screaming shit out. You kind of just pick one at random, you know? Right. And we didn't get to any of his stuff. Um, and he stands. So I'm finally, I was emceeing this. I'm like, okay, I guess our scene is going to begin now. And he stands and he's just like, improv. They gave all the lines. This is <laughs> bullshit. You didn't take none of our lines. And he's just screaming this as he walks through the door and leaves. I, I said ice you. cream shop. I said podiatrist. I, I fucking lost it. But this guy thought the stakes were high enough that we were going to cook the books on a goddamn <laughs> improv show that we do once a month in Old Town Alexandria. Uh, Not even DC proper. This is clearly a biased improv troupe. Fucking Joe Biden. <laughs> I fucking loved it. And like no one else registered it because I guess everyone else was either in the scene or had just walked off from taking the notes. <laughs> I fucking and the best thing is 
we filmed all of the set from two different <laughs> angles, so I will find the footage of this motherfucker. <laughs> it oh, made me so happy. I just that someone it cracks me <laughs> up that people and their skewed ideas of like how great anything even touching on the edges of entertainment is. Like back when I worked in radio and on occasion you could hear me on air after ten PM, like, you know, as a third mic now and again and people be like, mm-hmm. dude, you're on air. Uh how how did you pull that off? That's amazing. <laughs> like what are you pulling in? And I had to be like, uh, sometimes I'm working part time, two hours a shift for ten dollars an hour, and my coworkers in a similar job are making eight an hour, so they treat me like I'm the house help and I won the lottery <laughs> because I make 10 instead of 8 so that's radio for you that's making it in the air quotes biz I just love the indignation like he saw through he saw behind the curtain of the whole improv scene and just couldn't believe it wasn't authentic yeah exactly. like <laughs> so scripted the part where we're asking for scripted bits the fuck out of here, guy. Ah, uh, Oh, well. Yeah. I mean, you know, what was it like Ibsen, where it's just like, you know, getting, just like eliciting even a violent reaction and sort of like a feather in your cap. Like and if they and watch your improv show and then go out and riot afterwards. Like... This guy was <laughs> quoting Ibsen, too. No. <laughs> <laughs> I I think if you mentioned Ibsen, you would have been like, you mean the picture, Kirk? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the doll's out my ass! <laughs> Dorvald can suck it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you got it? Uh, Do I have anything? Um, I have nothing special to report. I was thinking of, like, trying to maybe get back into doing some comedy shows. I did meet up with a couple of musician dudes that I started rehearsing with doing some of my old songs, so that feels cool. You have, like, um, such a varied background. I know we, you know, people know that you write if they listen to the show, and they know you've done some stand-up, but, like, you pretty much spent your 20s as a touring singer, right? With uh, Yeah, Lost with the Lost yeah. So, I mean, I got a lot of hours under my belt in that sense. Um, but it was still a very sort of, you know, it was an incredible time. And I learned a lot, but I also felt very stifled by my boyfriend slash bandmate. So this feels much more like, I don't know, nice and not stifling. And they're my songs and I'm playing guitar and um and it's cool. It's cool because there's songs that I never thought I'd hear live in a room. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, fuck, we've gotten together like twice. And these sound pretty good. And maybe if we get a keyboardist, we can actually like bring some fucking gigs. Like, I don't know. It's cool. Um, if you use the uh, the word stifled one more time, I'm going to have stifled. to hire Annie DeFranco as your guitar teacher. And you'll have to do a song Mom, about a turtle named Hank. <laughs> Oh my god! I mean, that's cool as fuck. I because I've seen you retweet sometimes, like people that will reach out to you and are like, "Yeah, I fucking loved your your whole musical career." And I'm like, "God <laughs> damn, you done some shit, man." I'm huge in Lima, Peru. We yeah. are band of the month on Cool Rock Radio in Lima, Peru. 
So there you go. Son of a bitch. I think my battery charger just died. There's the yeah. drama in my life. <laughs> Uh, that's amazing, yeah. And I, you kind of mentioned the the drama classes I'm doing right now, but I swear, to, hand to God, once that shit is done, I am doing stand up. I, I did not know what went into drama, Molly. Oh my God. Oh my. You had God. no idea there would be so many theatrics involved. The amount of homework. Like, God, I will never shit on improv again, except for the time I did it just now. But, uh, <laughs> like, just getting to waltz in with people and be like, all right, let's fucking hang. Oh, God. You know, I have had to study gorillas and statues <laughs> and all sorts of shit as homework to then pantomime as them in a class. And now, the next four weeks, like, I have a scene partner and I legit can't like uh miss or my scene partner just can't rehearse in that class like what's she gonna do talk to the fucking wall you know like no one's gonna grab the script and like vibe with her it's (laughs) fucking nuts oh the amount of fucking uh burden put upon you and obligation i i really can't wrap my head around it that people choose to do this you're like, how are all these theater kids so upbeat? I want to kill myself. It's fucking exhausting. I have to pretend to be a gorilla and I can't even rip my scene partner's arms out of their sockets. <laughs> yeah, and then beat them to death with them until they bleed out. <laughs> Where's the fun? Yeah. Uh, you'll get it. It's, it's yeah. incredible. And I was... Uh, Oh, God. And I, I guess this is the last thing maybe we want to do, but have you been keeping up with all the, the shit that's come out on Jonah Hill? Oh, yeah, about his, like, ex-surfer girlfriend who was, like, he was a toxic narcissist or controlling or told her to take down photos of herself surfing and stuff like that. And then there's that weird photo of him and his, and his like, the same sky blue sort of, like, suit. Yeah, I uh, I think, uh, so there's all that, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to downplay that, he's like clearly a, a bag of shit for all that behavior, which I believe wholeheartedly, and I just want to because he kind of, you know, it's just one of those dudes that uh, I think a lot of people suck his dick, and I'm like, whatever, he came from like a super privileged background, and shocker, he made it afterwards. He, like, um, he was like fatter, younger Seth Rogen, so when Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen, they were like, let's get Jonah Hill. Yeah, exactly. That's literally it. They, they fucking cast him in Superbad because, yes, he's younger me. And um, fatter me. Yeah. But um, what got me was someone posted on Reddit saying that he was a PA on Get Him to the Greek. And they were filming, like, the final scene, I guess, at the Greek theater, which had all these extras because Russell Brand is performing in that scene. You know, it was like a fake concert. Right. And... It, he's 3 a.m. He pulls up. He's on a conversation. You know, uh, what's his face? Uh, Jonah Hill is on the phone. And the PA is like, hey, uh, dude, like, time to record. Everyone's here. And he's like, I'll, uh, I'll film when I get done with this conversation. And, like, 20 minutes go by and 30 minutes go by. And, of course, the PA is like, ah, hey. And he was being really indignant. Uh, Jonah Hill was. And mm-hmm. apparently Diddy came in. And it was just like, hey, you tummy tuck motherfucker, there's a bed <laughs> hotel with my name on it. 
he needed yeah. to fuck out now. And supposedly he did, but then was just like sulking around like a piece of shit for whatever was left after he got reprimanded by Diddy. And I was yeah, like, you know, I mean, time's money on a fucking shoot, and all these people aren't just getting paid to hang out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just I don't get the balls to inconvenience people like that. For God's, if I'm taking too long to fucking come with my girlfriend, I'm like, look, uh, sorry I'm really about this. sorry. I'm yeah, so I'm just sorry. gonna jack off and this finish. This is so unprofessional. <laughs> yeah, like you even go back to that episode of Succession we were watching together. Catch me <laughs> up when I'm done doing Like, sorry about this, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So well, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I had. I also just find the, I, I find the I, I I don't know I um I'm not trying to take anything away from the person's mental health or healing process, but I also like I'm so tired of hearing. And maybe this is my own because I've had more personal details about my life aired out to last me for the rest of my life. And I'm just like, oh, it just feels tacky to like air out all your baggage from a previous relationship. Like if the person was like a, a rapist or like really I don't know physically abusive or just like but it sounds like Jonah Hill's just kind of a sulky douchebag like did you really need to I don't know I just I'm tired of hearing everything about everyone and I'm just sort of like it's tacky to air out we're all giant all pieces of shit we're all giant pieces of shit aren't we like haven't we all just been and done and said things that we're not proud of and how embarrassing would it be to have like to have that level of notoriety and to have everyone talking about you? I guess it's like, yeah, good problems to have and privileged people shouldn't be allowed to get away with any sort of shitty behavior. Yeah. And at the same time, it's just I'm so tired of all I'm that. With you. I, I look, I, I like laughing it up because he's someone who succeeded in the field I really wish I had, you know? Right. Uh, but I bear him no personal malice, I guess, at I'm, the end of the I'm day. I'm not like, defending his actions by any means. That's not what um, you said in our text. <laughs> I was like, can you believe that surfer bitch posting <laughs> photos that make her feel good inside? Um, no, Touching she's perfectly within her um, rights also. I just, um, yeah, I don't like the celebrity culture where it's like we build them up beyond all reason and then like take such joy in eviscerating them. And it's like, maybe don't build these fucking people up in the first place. Like they're overrated. It's just, it's just <laughs> human fucking nature. And I don't get what's wrong with us. I don't know if it's innate to people that are like unhappy, but it happens in sports all the time. For it's God's vicious. sake. Like, yeah. I mean, when Patrick Mahomes won his first Super Bowl, a couple years back, they're they're like, oh, it's the new kid. Maybe he's the new Brady. You know, he gets the second one last year. It's like there's literally an Onion article to the effect of America agrees this is the last Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl win we can feel good about. <laughs> like, ever, you're like, okay, this is too much. Fuck you. Entire... It's like when Brady kept doing it. But, I mean, Brady got to the point where even me, who fucking hated him, when he took down number seven, I was like, Okay, dude, just keep doing it now, your old ass. I don't know what to say. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just shocked. It, but yeah. we're just like that. We like to see a fresh face come up, and the instant we, for whatever arbitrary reason, decide that they've done a little too much, it's like, okay, let's fucking rip it the fuck out now. I mean, to be fair, there are just like major controlling creep vibes to be like, look, here's me and my girlfriend we're in the same outfit. And it's just like, excuse me while I turn my head and barf. But like, oh, God, you know, yeah. I, I um, don't get that level of insecurity. <laughs> fuck. I mean, if I got 
cheated on, I'd be like, well, I, I good. I get to bang a few then to even it out, you know, like, and then we'll sort it out afterward, I guess. I don't know. Right. Um, you are, you are the Zen master of emotional detachment. Yeah. I'd be like, fuck yeah, I'll bang the whole motherfucker. Oh, <laughs> How many times did you cheat? Yeah. Do I have to wear a condom? Because I'm not. Oh. Uh, well, here's hoping Kelly's out there catching strange dick right now. <laughs> For both bad. of your sake. Being made a cuckold so I can cheat. Oh, <laughs> she just gave me 40 bucks for breakfast. I wasn't expecting that. Oh, <laughs> my God. She really didn't need to do that. But I'll take the money and not refund it. <laughs> Be a good himbo and just take the fucking money. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. It's so funny. She's met me during this one time in my life that I'm actually, like, cleaning up financially. And she's like, you make more than me. I'm like, I have for three months. <laughs> but sure, I'm the provider. Uh, well, Molly, uh, this was really good. This actually scratched the edge. I did feel funny here for once. I, okay, good. Yeah, you uh, you are a healer. I knew talking about Balky Bar Takamos and my yeah. weird yeah. family history would cheer you up and have about Jonah, your circumstances. Jonah Hill's bitch girlfriend had it coming, yeah. <laughs> Look, yes, don't you feel better knowing that Jonah Hill is a way more toxic, fat piece of shit partner than you could ever be? Yeah, yeah, I do feel a sense of... Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm... I'm calm like an ocean. That's what I'm yes. saying. We tore him uh, down to make room for you so you can rise so we could have to tear you down. Yeah, I don't know. That, that does make me... You know what? I'll, I'll close it with this. The thing that really cheeses me off, whenever it's an actor who's in a bunch of comedic roles, and don't get me wrong, good at the comedic role, but people think that person is really funny. Like... Great example would be Matthew Perry as Chandler. And everyone's like, isn't Matt Perry funny? It's like, I don't know if you like the lines the writers come up with the Chandler character. They're funny, I guess. But like, <laughs> Matt, Matt Perry's just reading shit on a page. I don't know. If you think watching his face get fatter and redder is funny, I'm sure he's No, hilarious. that was a great bit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, if he wrote something where I could literally chart his pill abuse against <laughs> episodes and seasons of Friends. That'd be hilarious <laughs> to me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I from what I've gathered about his the auto bio he put out a year ago, like he pretty much just tried to be this snarky Chandler character. And I'm like, but that's not you. You're just an actor, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah he was like, I'm going to shit on Keanu Reeves, the nicest, most beloved guy yeah, in Hollywood. <laughs> We've just agreed as a, a people. He's one of the few people we're not tearing down. You know, like, right. it's, it's him and Winkler, basically. I know. It's such a narrow field now. Uh, him and Winkler and Dolly Parton, the untouchables. Dolly, yeah. Exactly. Even Dolly. Like, the fucking right-wing people. Even though Dolly helped fund the vaccine, it's like that comes yeah. up. And Ron Bennington, my radio hero, pointed this out. He's like, the right wing is just like, please shut the fuck up about this. I still want to love that woman. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, this was good. Yeah, yeah, this was. And it recorded even, I think. And it yeah. recorded even. Here's hoping the audio quality isn't shitty on my end. because I'm. A, oh, it was I'm great. Lady. It was great. There's a, okay. there a couple garbles. That's it. Okay. And that was just internet shit. 
Our, our dog shit audience is used to way worse. <laughs> our dog shit audience will laugh up this dog shit audio. Look, I think you got internet garbling where you get Roxy in the background going, yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, All right. All right. Thank well, you for having me on. Oh, I mean, it's as much your show as mine. Oh, you don't have to thank me for shit. Thank you for having me on, motherfucker. Mama's <laughs> basement and Molly's back door. Yeah. <laughs> bye. All right, bye. Rihanna's do not disturb me. This is the extent of my comedy these days. I am just painfully unfunny. That's what regular pussy doses will do to you. I, it's it's destroyed my life. I I have nothing. I have Aww. nothing. Except a loving relationship with someone yeah, who cares about you. Yeah, except the normal, the normal basic <laughs> bullshit. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's okay. Uh, I am going to stand because I've learned that's going to be better for your voice in my, my vocal class. Oh, look at you mm. trying to fill your diaphragm with oxygen. I have heard diaphragm more times in the past four weeks than I have in every episode of syndicated Seinfeld where Elaine stockpiles diaphragms, and that's one. They were sponges, uh, stupid. <laughs> sponges, you're right. I think she said she wasn't a <laughs> diaphragm. It's so this, funny. <laughs> it's so funny to me. The archaic contraception that was mentioned in that episode, and that she loved the sponge, which is honestly just wadding you stick up there to soak up as much gum as possible. <laughs> Yeah, so basically you just have a cum-filled sponge that helps the swimmers get to your I was going to say, like, how does that really stop much of anything? Because at the end well, of the day... I think technically just... they're coated in some sort of a spermicide. We should yes. be saving all of this. For the... no, I'm just kidding. Oh, this um, can be on the show. But, um, yeah, I think they were pulled because they weren't terribly effective. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, if I was like, uh, here's a device to prevent coffee stains. It's a giant roll of paper towels that you then <laughs> dump coffee on. And then the roll just sits on your couch. You'd be like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we can extricate this thing filled with the thing that I don't want getting all over my shit. No, it sits there. You know, considering her choice of contraceptive, I'm surprised there was no Seinfeld episode where Elaine has to go to, like, Planned Parenthood, and the whole episode is them just being frustrated in the waiting room as they yeah. call in, like, other knocked-up women and teenagers before. And like the Chinese leave. restaurant. Yes, <laughs> they leave, and the guy... That uh, James Hong or whatever his name is, that is like Venice abortion for one. <laughs> <laughs> right after they left. Oh. Uh, well, cool. Let's let's start it. Okay.